Hey, what's going on? Thanks for checking out Blissful Prospecting. My name is Jason Bay, but you can call me J-Bay, and this podcast is for sales reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with their prospects, but hate it when they're not quite sure what the perfect fit company looks like to reach out to, or maybe who the person is at the company if they've identified it, and if the company would even be interested in what they have to, to say and want to meet about. So if you've ever experienced that, you're really going to like the episode today. We're doing something a little bit different. I'm starting a skills series. I don't know how many episodes this will be, but these are going to be solo episodes where I kind of walk through some of our frameworks that we work with and use with our clients. So today we're talking about a framework called the perfect fit identifier. So if you've been in sales for a while, you've probably heard of ICPs or ideal client profiles. You've probably heard of personas, right? This, um, hey, this type of person is a good fit for this reason. Um, these people find value in this. These types of industries are a good fit. What I want to do and share with you today and the reason why just using ICPs and personas is a problem is that it doesn't really cover a third part of the equation that's extremely important when you're prospecting, and that's values. So if you can find commonality and values people are much more likely to take a meeting because you're connecting the reason why it makes sense to meet. So I'll give you an example. So um, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I listen to Nickelback and I get a lot of shit for it. (laughs) But if I meet someone else that also likes Nickelback, I can immediately bond with them on that one thing at least because I know that they get made fun of a lot by their friends or they might uh, might hide the fact (laughs) that they listen to Nickelback. So it's one of those guilty pleasures, as we call it. But there's going to be an immediate connection there. So we can find that same thing when we're prospecting and selling, too. So the way the framework works, if you kind of visualize a Venn diagram with three circles, so a Venn diagram, if you don't remember from math class or don't really study diagrams or anything like that, uh, a Venn diagram is basically overlapping circles. So if you picture a circle on the top, and then right below that, there's two circles side by side, but they all overlap each other. So that in the middle, all of those circles are overlapping each other. Now, what you have in the top circle is your accounts. So again, what I'm going to do with this framework is show you how to find the perfect fit when you're prospecting before you reach out. So the top circle is accounts. So you might want to draw this. It actually might be easier. On the bottom right circle, it's values. And on the bottom left circle, it's personas. So right in the middle of all of those circles where they all come together and overlap, that's a perfect fit. So let's break down each of these real quick. So the first one is on the account level, the way that you can really define what companies are a good fit and what you want to avoid, by the way, is this we're industry agnostic, we can serve anyone. Like I get that your solution, whether it's a product or a service, could serve a lot of different clients. But when you're doing outbound, if you say, you know, let's say that I have a software that helps marketing agencies. If I say, hey, we can help everyone, including professional services firms, including computer software companies, marketing departments at Amazon, those marketing agencies don't really feel like that solution is for them. So when you're prospecting, it's not about saying no to things that come to you. It's about when you're prospecting, making the prospect feel like you specialize in their particular niche or industry. So there's some ways that you can identify this. So on the account side, there's three pieces. So again, this is that top circle. On the account side, number one is the highest priority. 
So this is the easiest one. So if leadership is giving you some direction on the type of industries or niches that are a good fit, obviously you want to take that. If you're an SDR or BDR and you're filling the pipeline for an account executive or you're an appointment setter filling um, you know, the pipeline for someone else, my advice to you is to meet with those people and really figure out like, where do they have the highest closing rate, right? What do they want to prioritize? What kind of leads do they like getting? What, what gets accepted most, right? So highest priority is number one. That's the easy one. Number two is past successes. So again, this is in that accounts circle at the top. The second part of it is past successes. So what you can start looking at is especially if you're doing full cycle sales, you know, doing your own prospecting and you're doing the closing in past successes, what you want to look at is where have I had the highest closing rate? Who has given me testimonials? Who has my company created case studies for? And who do we just like seem to get really good results with? A tool that you can use that I recommend is LinkedIn. So if you look at these companies in the last six months, let's say, and you look at all the patterns of the companies that fit these past successes, like the ones that you want to emulate the most, put them into LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a good one. Uh, Apollo.io is another great tool. That's the one I personally use. Uh, They're not a sponsor. Apollo is A-P-O-L-L-I-O.io. And it's a sales engagement tool, but it also has list building capabilities as well. So it's essentially LinkedIn sales navigator on steroids. So what you can do with those past successes, you can plug those companies into a tool like Apollo or LinkedIn sales navigator. And you can start to find patterns between like headcount, industry, company size, department count. I mean, there's all kinds of patterns that you can find. So we have highest priority, past successes. And the third one is the easiest uh, to sell. So think about like what, What type of companies just seem to really get what it is that you sell without having to like build a lot of buy-in around it? So if you look at the technology adoption curve um, and the technology adoption curve, it might sound complicated if you're unfamiliar with it, but it's really a pretty simple concept that there's a very small percentage of people that are like early adopters that are going to adopt a new technology. And there's like laggards and like people that will stay behind and like be really resistant to adopting like a new way of doing things. So when you think of easiest to sell, like who is most likely to adopt your solution with like very little work? And this might only apply to you if you're selling like software in a category that's fairly new. Like sales engagement tools, for example, not every sales team has a sales engagement tool. And and it's like one of those technologies that a lot of big companies especially are pretty resistant to. So that's on the account side, highest priority, past successes, easiest to sell. Now, if we move to the lower left on the personas, there's three parts to this that are extremely important. So most uh, salespeople, at least in the experience that I have in working with companies, they kind of do one of two things. They might be too afraid to reach out to an executive. So VPC level, and they like to do bottoms up all the time. So they start at the manager or direct level and then work their way up. Problem with that is deals can get stalled pretty quickly, right? If there's no uh, decision-making power in the people that you're prospecting to, things just kind of fall flat and you aren't able to move it up to an executive level where decisions can get made. And then the other approach I see is like only top-down, right? I'm only going to reach out to the C-suite. So you want to do a mix of those two things. And there's three types of personas that you want to take in consideration. So number one is champions. So for example, I landed a a pretty big deal uh, in November and December with a pretty large company. And 
the champion for me was the sales manager. So it wasn't a director, it wasn't a VP, it wasn't even a C-level person. The sales manager that I had a good relationship with helped me push the deal through and they trusted him to get everything done. So that was kind of interesting. So think about like the deals. And again, if you're an SDR or BDR, this is something you need to talk to your AE about. But if you're doing your own sales, think about who's championed you through the sales process. It doesn't have to be a C-level person or a VP. They don't even have to have decision-making power. They don't have to be anyone that signs off on anything, but who is most likely to internally champion what you do and care about it the most. So identify those personas if you look at your deals that you've won in the last six months. What persona typically resonated most? Number two is the obvious one, decision makers. So who had to sign off on this? So I'll give you another example. So when I booked that big training gig, a person that had to sign it that I never interacted with was their head of sales enablement. So I never interacted with her. And she was the one that actually ended up like uh, signing the contract and like approving the budget and all that other stuff. So had I been prospecting into this company, she is one of the people that I would want to prospect to because she has decision-making power. So you want to think while you're prospecting, you need a multi-thread. Don't get pinned down to like one contact at a company, even if it's a small company. And then thirdly, we have influencers. So who are the people that are likely to influence this decision that might not be directly affected? So I'll give you an example. So if you sell some sort of like webinar software and you're trying to get, you know, the marketing department is probably the people that are like doing those webinars. One thing you want to take in consideration is that, you know, IT usually picks out tools. So if they are not on board with the tool and it doesn't integrate well and play friendly with all the other stuff, they might shoot it down. So they're, they have a lot of influence on this. Uh, another way of looking at influencers too, uh, with the work that I do, is the individual reps have a lot of influence over a company and who they bring in as a trainer. Because if the reps don't like the person and they don't like their content, they're not going to have a very fun time with the training and it's going to be a waste of money for the company. So think about that too. Who influences this sale, again, it doesn't actually have like decision-making power, um, quote unquote, right? Like people that actually sign off on stuff. So that's your personas. That's again, the lower left circle. So we talked about accounts on the top. We talked about personas. If we move to the bottom right circle, uh, we have values. So this is the most overlooked piece that I told you about at the beginning. So there's three things that we wanna look at here to see if a company or a person is a good fit. And this actually correlates really well with personalization too. So this is stuff you can look for in like the first couple sentences of your email or the first parts of your talk track. So there's three things. One is their accomplishments. So another way of thinking about this is what does this company or this person brag about? Because that has a lot to say about what they value. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I use marketing agencies again. If I was prospecting into a marketing agency, I know that they like to brag about their portfolio. So I'm going to mention something that I see in their portfolio that really caught my attention. If it's a an individual that's a VP or C-level, oftentimes when I look at their LinkedIn, they brag about their accomplishments at their individual jobs. Percentage uh, increase in growth, <laughs> right? Uh, percentage they were able to save money, dollar amounts. There's all kinds of stuff that they brag about. And that says a lot about what's important to them. So if someone says, hey, you know, like um, if you have a solution that helps people save money and you're reaching out to CFOs and they are bragging on their LinkedIn about how much money they've been able to save companies that they've worked at or companies they've worked with, 
Like that's a really good thing to point out that shows you that they value cost savings and also talking about it publicly. So the second part is where they spend money. So what you can think about here is, you know, what tools is this company using? So builtwith.com, that's a cool website that you can use to see what kind of technology, you know, people are using Apollo.io. You can, I think uses some of Builtwith's technology, but looking at where they spend money. So that could be tools, that could be mergers and acquisitions, it could be companies that they're purchasing. So I'll give you another example. Um, I was working with a client and they essentially help like insurance companies, for example, like get better results with their patients. So it ends up kind of costing the insurance company less money and they get more people abiding by like the programs and stuff that their doctors are recommending. So they don't have to use so much of the insurance money. So one of the things when we were reaching out to the insurance companies that we noticed is that a lot of them are pretty big and they're purchasing, like, especially through COVID, they're purchasing companies that like have virtual capabilities like telemedicine. So if I pointed out when I'm reaching out to that company, hey, I saw you purchase this company so that you could deliver a better service to, you know, like the people, um, you know, subscribing to your insurance, like that's really connected to like how we can help them get like better results with their patients, right? So where they spend money is another big bucket. And the third one is content. So what do they educate their audience about? So what are they talking about on their blogs, podcasts, webinars, et cetera, where they're educating their audience on something? Because obviously they care about that. And you can think about when you're prospecting, how can I help them do what they are doing with their clients or customers better? So if they're putting out content on, you know, I'll just use an example for me. If they're putting out content on, you know, how they want to help their customers save money or cost savings and all this other stuff, I might send over an email and say, hey, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I'd like to talk about how you can put this in front of more of your prospects and get them to like really buy into this concept with their cold emails and cold calls, et cetera. So we got accounts, personas, values. So one last thing I want to point out here in the perfect fit identifier framework is let's talk about where these circles intersect. This is why it's so important to have all three. So obviously, like I said, all three circles intersect in the middle and that's a perfect fit. But if we look at the left two, so the accounts on the top and the personas on the left. So where those two intersect is if the account is a good fit and it meets all the criteria I mentioned and the personas are a good fit, but you don't check the values, the company's going to be a good fit and the person's going to be a good fit, but there's not going to be any desire to talk to you because they don't value saving money, right? They don't value uh, helping their customers do a certain thing that you can help them with. They may not value streamlining their IT tools, their communication tools, whatever it might be. They don't value that. So if we move over one and we look at personas and values where those connect the two bottom circles. So if you're reaching out to the right persona and you find all of these things about what they value, but you didn't make sure that the account was a good fit, you're probably not going to have budget. So these companies might be too small and might not have the budget to do this. So if we look at the last two, the accounts on the top, the values on the right, those two circles intersect. If we don't check in to make sure that it's the right persona and the right person, that individual is not going to really feel the impact of how you can help them with that problem because they're not going to care about it. So if we don't do all three of these things to find a good fit, there's either going to be no desire, no budget, or no impact. So we need to make sure all three of those are together. Um, so that's the episode for today. That's the perfect fit identifier. 
Thanks for listening. And one quick favor I have for you is if, dude, if you found the episode helpful today, my one favor is, could you please share it with someone? So if there's someone on your team or you have a team of people and you think this would be helpful and like helping you guys find better fit people and prospects to reach out to, please share it with them. And that's all I got for today. We'll see you next week.